Welcome to the Gavelcast Series 6, Episode 24. This podcast is brought to you by the Alsa Malaysia and Alsa University Sultan Zainal Abidin. This episode is titled Protection of Whistleblower. We hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Gavelcast brought to you by Alsa Yuniza. My name is Kuliman and I will be your host for today's topic. And beside me is my friend who is the Officer of Academic Activities of Department of Sayuniza. Alright, uh, hi, hi Miss. My name is Siti Nusrusnina with Uh You can just call me Nina. Hello, thank you. Thank you. We are lucky Hello. to have uh, Miss Hanis, Binti Muhammad Suami, who is uh, currently practicing in Mahawengkwa and Associate. Uh, Miss Anis graduated uh, with Bachelor's of Laws with Honours from International Islamic University Malaysia in July 2017. Uh, in May 2018, she completed the population in Mahawengkwa and Associate under the guidance of Mr. Raymond Mah and Datuk Mah Wingkwai. Ms. Anis was admitted as an advocate and solicitor of the High Court of Malaya in July 2018 and began practice at Associate Mah Wingkwai and Associate of Fund Admission. We certainly have come across with the term of whistleblowing before, but not many of us knows about it. So, our topic today is very interesting and quite important for everyone, especially for us, law students. Having said that, Miss Anis will be sharing her opinion regarding this matter. First and foremost, how are you, Miss? I'm okay. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. We are too grateful for your presence. Uh, so without uh, further ado, we report to the first question. Uh, Miss, how can a person be entitled to the protection under the WPA? Okay, so the Whistleblower Protection Act um, defines a whistleblower <laughs> as any person who makes a disclosure under Section 6. So um, the act does not distinguish whether it's a citizen or non-citizen or whether you are working in public or private sector. So basically anyone is entitled to the protection um, so long as you don't fall under Section 11 where the protection is revoked. So these are matters such as making a statement you know to be false or if you yourself have, have participated in the important conduct. But the disclosure must be to an enforcement agency as stated in the act. So this is an issue that is brought up often. Um, the supporters of a stronger whistleblower protection scheme has have always continually called on the government to make amendments to ensure that disclosure to other means such as the media, internet, employers, lawyers, or even res- other responsible persons to be included in the act. So is it necessary for people to ensure themselves not to fall under Section 11 or they will not enter the protection? Yes, correct. Oh, so... Does the whistleblower have to witness the misconduct or hear himself before he discloses the information? So the Act makes no mention of such a requirement. The test in the Act suggests that you do not have to witness it yourself since the disclosure is made, if I can quote the Act, based on his reasonable belief that any person has engaged, is engaging, or is preparing to engage in improper conduct. So um, further paragraph two of section six goes on further to say that a disclosure can be made, and I quote again, although the person making the disclosure is not able to identify a particular person to which the disclosure relates. So um, from here, you can see that uh, it, it seems to suggest that you don't really need to witness because one of the main objectives of a good whistleblowing policy is that it will always try not to place an unrealistic burden on the whistleblower but to encourage disclosure. The point here is is that 
the person has to have reasonable belief that something is amiss. And he makes such a disclosure so that the bodies who have the means to get the proof by conducting uh, investigations or who have the bodies that have sufficient access to documents and officials, they can stop the improper conduct and expeditiously uh, and correct uh, have some corrective action can be taken. So it's we need to encourage disclosure so that the relevant parties can do their job and um, do the do what they need to do lah to stop the improper conduct. Oh, so that's the reason why they did not put this requirement to the people. Yeah, it's it's because it understands that um, it's usually impossible because obviously people who do bad things they are not going to do it openly, correct? Okay. So obviously there has to be someone that helps these people, uh, the laymen discover all this information because for example, we don't have access to public documents, we don't have access to the higher ups. So it, 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 it follows that the nature of discovering with, like matters to whistleblow, you need um, help to do this because no one does corrupt practices so openly, right? Yeah. Okay, also then is, uh, what kind of protection may a person receive after disclosing such information? Okay, so the protection afforded to whistleblowers um, under the Act is under Part 3 of the Act. And in summary, there are three. So there's confidentiality of information, immunity from civil or criminal action, and um, also protection against detrimental action. So confidentiality of information means that any information uh, relating to their identity, their occupation, their residential address, uh, or even their place of of employment cannot be disclosed from the moment they make the disclosure and until the corrective action has been taken. So as soon as they make the disclosure, then there's investigations and after the investigations, um, action is taken, right? So until that action is done, um, they get this protection because even once action is taken, for example, if it goes to disciplinary action or it goes to court, until there's a court proceeding and until the appeal is finished, this protection extends from, uh, from there on, from the moment they make the disclosure to the end of um, the whole process. And um, the immunity from civil or criminal action simply means that a whistleblower cannot be sued or prosecuted by the person he has reported against. Because, of course, once if someone finds out um, some, someone's made a report against them, they obviously want to retaliate or take consequences against those people. And the last one, um, the main protection that most whistleblowers seek for is protection against detrimental action. Um, this is specified in the Act, but it's, for example, if a whistleblower gave information against his corrupt employer, his boss, um, he is protected under the Act against dismissal from work by the employer. So he cannot be uh, fired. Um, he's protected under the Act. And he also has other protections, such as he may be relocated if it's possible to ensure his safety. So some companies or some government bodies may have different branches, so they will be able to reloc relocate or transfer if the danger if there is a serious danger to the whistleblower's um, security. Also, uh, does this uh, kind of protection apply to all of the people or some of it apply to people who work for the government? Um, the Act provides protection for both government and private sectors, public and private sectors, so everyone is entitled, so long as you fall under, under the definition. So, um, what sort of civil action may a person be immune from himself after disclosing such information? Okay, so examples for civil action are defamation claims or breach of contract lawsuits. 
usually it's any civil action that would be used as a tool to arrest the whistleblower from making a disclosure. So usually when someone is, say, for example, disclosing corrupt practices, they will normally try to file a lawsuit or defamation to say that that person has wrongly accused them and stuff like that. So these are the types of actions that are um, a whistleblower enjoys protection against. Referring to the section uh, 3, subsection 2 of the Protection Whistleblower Act 2010, it was stated that uh, for the purpose of this act, the general powers of the enforcement agency are as follows. Uh, to receive disclosure of improper conduct, to enforce the whistleblower protection, to deal with the disclosure of improper conduct, to receive complaints of retirementation, to deal with complaints of retirementation, and to implement the provision of this act. Thus, uh, specifically in the enforcement agencies, who has the authority to perform the general powers? Um, it really depends on which agency you report to. So you will have to refer to the respective acts to see what powers they have. So for example, if you report to the police, you need to go to the Police Act. If you go to the Malaysian um, Anti-Corruption Commission, MACC, you will need to go into their act to see what sort of powers they have. But generally, they all tend to have the similar powers. And um, depending on rank or status, you may have limited. But generally, all of them have powers to um, exercise the powers that you mentioned earlier, the general powers from A to F under the Section 3 of the Whistleblower Protection Act. So that so it means that there are several agencies, but I thought that there will be enforcement agency that specifically for this matter such as SPRM for bribery? No, it just covers enforcement agencies. So there's many enforcement agencies. Yeah. So uh, is a person who leaks information to other than the enforcement agency not entitled to the protection of whistleblower? As uh, referring to the case of Rokiah Muhammad No against MPD and KKM and others, and another appeared in 2016, where the whistleblowers were not protected under the WPA because they had not made the disclosure to any enforcement agencies. No, as I mentioned earlier, the act as it, as it is today requires that disclosure must be made to an enforcement agency. So in that case that you were referring to, the appellants wrote a letter disclosing information to the Companies Commission of Malaysia, the Anti-Corruption Commission. So these are enforcement agencies. But apart from these, uh, they also wrote to third parties, as they say, third parties, who do not fall under the definition of enforcement agency under the Act. So these parties included the Prime Minister, the Deputy Prime Minister, the Minister of Domestic Trade, Co Cooperative and Consumerism, and the Chief Secretary to the Government. So under the Act, these people are not considered enforcement agency. So this matter um, actually went all the way to the Federal Court, but uh, the Federal Court didn't touch anything about the Witness Protection Act. Um, what was stated was by the Court of Appeal. So the Court of Appeal noted that Section 8 um, of the Act, in fact, prohibits a whistleblower from disclosing the confidential information to third parties in the course of investigation. So it means that once you report to the enforcement agency, you're prohibited from disclosing to other people because it's a sensitive nature of these kind of methods. Um, so because of that, they did not qualify as the whistleblowers, those the people in that case. And so this case just highlights the importance of making the disclosure to an enforcement agency, as well as the need to review the act to provide protection for whistleblowers who disclose it to third parties um, that are reasonable. So you would think that reporting to the highest um, authority in the land, like the prime minister, the deputy prime minister would give you some protection or something. But yeah, according to the act, um, this was not the case. And, um, but this one is quite a complicated case because it wasn't just solely on the Whistleblower Protection Act. It arose out of um, several other matters, yeah.
Oh, so no matter on what the circumstances, uh, the person shall be deported to the enforcement agency. Yes. Um, many people have um, highlighted how this has caused great injustice from these cases, from many other cases. There's so many examples to show how not everyone, um, it, it, it's, not, it's not reasonable to just be reporting to the enforcement agencies. Uh, section, section 6 of the Protection Whistleblower Act provides that a person may make a disclosure of improper conduct to any enforcement agency based on his reasonable belief that any person has engaged and provided that such disclosure is permissible as long as it is not specifically prohibited by any written law. Can you tell us specifically on what kind of disclosure is prohibited for a person to disclose under the WPA? Um, so this mainly refers to secrecy laws. For example, government servants are bound by the Official Secrets Act, or we call it the OSA. They can disclose information which is deemed solid, secret, or confidential, basically, because um, obviously there are government secrets, official secrets. Act. So this creates a stumbling block, as currently the Official Secrets Act imposes a blanket prohibition on any information deemed to be an official secret by the government. So there is a fear that it can be used to hide corruption and corrupt practices. So there have also been calls to review the OSA to strike a better balance in protecting information, but also not to create a barrier to releasing documents and information. Uh, according to, there is a landmark case in Malaysia, which is Rafizi Ramli against public prosecutor in 2014. This is a case familiar to all Malaysian. An important principle laid down in this case is that the whistleblower was not protected under the WPA because the information leak was against the law. So what kind of protection did he perform which resulted in him not receiving the protection under the WPA? Okay, so this is an example of what we were discussing earlier, which is um, under Section 6, where it says that uh, there are specific laws which uh, are specifically prohibited by any written law. So in this case, uh, the law, the written law that he was caught by was the secrecy law under the Banking and Financial uh, institutions Act, known as the Bafia, and under this Act, uh, Section ninety seven states that directors or officers, whether they're um, during their tenure or during their employment, and even afterwards, they cannot um, disclose customer information. Um, and so, this is what happened. So, in that case, the appellant was charged in the Sessions Court with an offence under this Section ninety seven of the Bafia of the Banking and Financial Institutions Act and having access and then revealing uh, the information to the media about personal bank accounts of certain parties on the allegation that certain corrupt practices uh, relating to public funds in those accounts have been committed. Um, he was caught by this uh, provision under the uh, under the Whistleblower, Whistleblower Protection Act. So, uh, so, uh, so uh, as I said in the opening before, whistleblower is uh, quite prevalent in our country. Yet, uh, most people in this country have rarely heard about the protection of whistleblowers. Is it due to the lack of awareness given by the government or is there any other external reasons? Um, in my opinion, I don't think it's because of a lack of an awareness. It's the complete opposite. All people hear about is how there is no protection. We only hear about unsuccessful stories where action has been taken to punish the whistleblowers. And that's because a lot of the information that is disclosed almost always relates to corruption and politics in Malaysia. So because of this, so many people are afraid to come forward. Um, they think that if the people higher up, like politicians, um, like in the case 
we mentioned earlier with means and resources aren't protected, who are we as a common man on the street to be protected? I think more people should be aware that apart from corruption, there is limitless information that can be considered information um, a whistleblower can disclose. Um, the most relevant example in this, these times is the example of Dr. Li Wenliang, who tried to warn the world about the novel coronavirus and paid the ultimate price by losing his life. Um, in other countries, whistleblowers have saved lives for disclosing information on environmental issues, health issues, and so on. If we remind ourselves, if we remind ourselves the importance and power of bringing the truth to light, not just on someone's uh, whether someone's pockets are deeper in corruption and all that, but we remember that um, the information that we have that can be used to stop mass destruction of the earth and to save the lives of others, people would be more willing to understand that uh, whistleblowing. Um, is more than just reporting corrupt practices um, in terms of like finances and politics and all that. But if they realize it, um, it, it's important and to be brave to come forward when needed when it comes to the issues of environment and health. So uh, based on your saying, so can we say that it is considerable on why people choose not to express rather than share it? Yeah, it's, it's that fear that people have um, so all of these things they consider and most of the time they convince themselves that it's safer not to, to say anything or they wait for someone else to do it. So uh, according to research made by the Whistleblowing Charity Project and legal firm Slater and Golden, it was stated that 33% of people who raised concerns at work were dismissed and 22% were victimized or faced disciplinary action by their employer. 30-70% of employees denied that there was a problem and only 10% of cases were resolved by the employer. So what are your thoughts on regarding this matter? Um, so this just highlights the need for whistleblower protection. But the thing is, Malaysia is actually one of the countries that has an acceptable whistleblowing policy on paper. So uh, we're not in the top tier, but um, in the middle. So where we feel is that when it comes to implementing the policy, we're not so great, but in terms of what's on paper, we are one of the better countries. Um, recently, actually, the International Bar Association and the Government Accountability Project, which is an organization founded in the United States, they have released their work on whether whistleblowing laws are working and they looked at several countries. So in that report, they highlighted that they often found that rights and protections of whistleblowers, which look impressive on paper, offer minimal protection in practice. So the statistics that you quoted showing um, just shows how it seems there's no protection for the whistleblowers. And those were examples of the detrimental action taken against whistleblowers. Um, and it shows us how it shows us why we need to take a periodic review of all the laws and their effectiveness. So uh, then we move to the last question. So uh, do you have any suggestions or thoughts on the improvement that can be made to the Whistleblowers Protection Act? Okay, so the improvements in the Act are, as I've said before, about amending the Act to include disclosure to other bodies um, and not just enforcement agencies, so like to the media. Um, also reviewing the Act to say that the whistleblowers are not caught. Uh, also, uh, I suggest to look into reviewing the Act so that the whistleblowers are not caught from secrecy laws. Um, so to do this, we can look at global practices and learning from the mistakes of success of other countries who pioneered these laws. Actually, there's been a lot of studies and articles on this, um, and we should have a, like, a, a very 
focused team to look into this. So of course, I I urge the government to look into reviewing our laws. But I also believe improvements shouldn't be in terms of just amending laws, which um, in reality could still suffer the same non-enforcement. So even if you improve the laws, if they're not enforced, what good does that do, right? So for now, I think more work needs to be done at ensuring people actually believe that these laws already, um, the laws that we already have can protect us. We need to ensure that law is implemented as intended and improve um, technology and resources to facilitate confidential reporting to protect the privacy of whistleblowers and their families. Currently, protection doesn't really seem um, practical to most people. For example, in other countries such as the US, a whistleblower may be relocated to another state miles away. But in Malaysia, protection, protection by relocation isn't as easy. Also, there's no guarantee that our identity and personal information can be protected. I mean, we all know um, how fast the Malaysian netizens can quickly find information of a random person in a viral video in seconds. So uh, oftentimes it can seem, uh, it, it can also seem that um, the people we need to report to may be the people who are more interested in protecting the rights of, the, of those who report against. So this is uh, where we have seen an increase in complaints against enforcement agencies themselves. So obviously when you feel like the person you're reporting to will not take action, it, it defeats the purpose of um, the mechanisms put in place to protect us. Um, basically, we all have a role at improving the whistleblowing policy. There is so much that each of us can do in promoting safety, transparency and accountability. So yes, uh, when you talk about uh, the government need to put the people make belief in the law, put their faith in law, so that's uh, when I refer to several newspapers or when I did make some research toward the whistleblower, there's people also tend to stop from sharing as they they really do not have such faith toward the laws. They sorry they they really do not put such faith toward the laws. Yeah, exactly. Because they um because um to be fair, actually Malaysia doesn't have um a systematic reporting system unlike other countries who are more advanced than us. Um but yeah, the the examples we always see are all the the unsuccessful stories. So we 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 hardly hear about how someone was successful in their whistleblowing policy. And yeah, so 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 this looks like our podcast has come to the end. Much gratitude to our honorable guest, Miss Anis, for her sharing with us. We hope that this knowledge will benefit us all. So before we end this, uh, Miss Anis, do you have any wish to say? Um, nope. I'm just very, um, I'm very happy to see the active uh, active role students have now taken into addressing such of these issues, and in the fact that you take interest um, in these topics is um, very promising. And um, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So thank you for all the listeners. Till we meet again. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Gavelcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the Alsa Malaysia and Alsa University Sultan Zainal Abidin. If you love the Gavelcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and give us a review on any podcast platforms. For more info about Alsa Malaysia, do check us out at alsamalaysia.com and don't forget to catch our next episode.